This is a really interesting day because we study Genesis 33. Now listen carefully because Jacob had stolen from his brother and run away. And now years later, he's coming back. Now this is fascinating. Why is he coming back? Well, it's very interesting. God told him, but we're going to talk about that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going through the Bible in one year. Corey and Ryan are here to help us. Corey. Today, I'm taking a look at the ancient city of Shechem. It shows up in our reading today, so it's going to be interesting. Ryan? Today, Christian ufologist Gary Bates is back again, and this time I ask him whether he thinks we'll be able to build starships like the Enterprise in Star Trek with warp drive and all that fun stuff. And how is this related to scripture? Well, stick around to find out. Yeah, it's really interesting. We'll discover that later. Uh... What do you think, Janice? What are you going to do? Today, we're going to talk about a new perspective. All right, let's go. Genesis 33, 1 through 11. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, No, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face, as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Please, take my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. So he urged him, and he took it. Genesis chapter 33, verses 1 through 11. You know, peace between brothers, that's an interesting topic, isn't it? If ever today we don't have peace, well, today's a good point. We don't have peace, do we? And peace is a very, very interesting thing. And we're going to study Genesis chapter 33 uh, in just a moment. We're going to go all the way down to verse 11. But times of war and conflict are very familiar to us now. It is true that... There are times of peace that can be enjoyed by generations of people, but so quickly war can raise its ugly head. In the West, we have largely managed to mitigate the effects of war on our societies. 
But not all of our sons and daughters have to serve in the military. So for many of us, it's our economics and our news feeds that see most of the damage in war times. But in a much more real sense, we all know that war hurts. James chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires? Your desires for pleasure that, that war in your members. People individually at war result in families and cultures at war, and then nations at war, which we have today. These, these troubled desires that James speaks of are evident through human history. Now, with Jacob and Esau, they were present as well. In our reading today, Jacob begins to make peace with his brother. And let me tell you something. It's very interesting. As we study this, take your Bible guide and turn to Genesis chapter 33. And let me pray and ask if you have a Bible guide first. You can write to us or call for us to, or call us to get your Bible guide or go to, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there and click on the Bible guide, here's another way to do it. Go to BibleDiscoveryGuide.com. It takes you straight to the place where you can make a donation and you can download the web uh, design, the pocket guide or the Bible guide, if you would, to help you go through the world's most important book, the Bible. Now let's pray. Father, help us today. Show us your way. Teach us your path as we look at Jacob and Esau. And as we look at this coming together again, help us, Lord, to learn how to have peace in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. Now, as we focus on this, let's pay attention carefully because God is going to speak to us. And here is what it says. Chapter 33, verse 1. Now, Jacob lifted his eyes and looked. And there Esau was coming. And with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front. Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. And then he crossed before them and bowed to himself, or bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now this is fascinating. Watch this. Now Jacob had stolen from his brother and had run away. Now he was coming back to face the music. <laughs> you see, beloved, when we come to Jesus Christ, we come face to face with God. You know, a lot of people say to me that uh, they don't believe in Jesus Christ because the Lord, uh, you know, somehow offends them. Well, let me tell you what offends people about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, come to me and confess to me your sins. The problem is, well, we, what, what sin? What, we don't believe in sin. Everybody has. Nobody's perfect. I mean, come on, Lord. The essence of knowing that we are sinners is really important. We admit that we have problems that were wrong. And beloved, Jacob had to do that. He had to come to face with the fact that he had stolen from his brother. It was not easy. It ends well, as it always does when we come to Jesus Christ. It always ends well. 
We go back to the scripture and we learn some interesting things. Chapter 33, verse four says this, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the woman and the children, or the women and the children. And he said, who, who are these with you? And so Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. And then the maidservants came near and their children bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near and they bowed down. Let me tell you something. This was a, a real confession here. Jacob needed to make restitution with his brother Esau. He needed to face the music and come good with it. God has paid the cost of our sins, and this is why we come to him in repentance. And that's the problem. A lot of people say that they, they just can't repent. They can't repent. We're not going to repent. Well, that's the problem. You can't deal with sin and you can't deal with God and you can't deal with that unless you come in repentance, knowing he is the holy God and you are not. Knowing that you have failures and he does not. So that's the challenge here today. But the people who have recognized that, given their life to Christ, things are different, as Jacob will soon find out. Now, that gets interesting. Let's go back to the scripture and read what he did. So as we go along in chapter 33, verse 8, it says, Then Esau said, What do you mean by all of this company which I met? He said, Jacob said, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, No, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face, as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. So he urged him, and he took it. Now, this is also something stunning. Jacob and Esau accept each other and forgave each other. That's how they resolve that. Now, we need to work to gain forgiveness with those we have offended with sin. Very important. We have to work with those and say, Lord, help us because the offenses we have created are a problem. I want to tell you, when we do that, God gives us the grace and the strength to go forward. And when that happens, we, we make restitution. And it's, it's a totally different playing field. When we don't do that, we end up with what we have now around the world. War, 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 war. Small arguments become larger arguments, become family arguments, become city arguments, become national arguments, become war. That's what James chapter 4 said. So, beloved, let us come back to Christ, give our hearts to him, and repent to him in Jesus' name. Now, from a biblical perspective, why do you think God made humans and apes look similar? 
Well, the same thing, same reason I think that there are similarities right through all living things, and that is we see a continuum, if you like, which speaks to us of one creator. If we're entirely different to every living, other living thing on Earth, we have entirely different chemistry, entirely different everything, then we might think there's different creators. All right, so in our assigned reading today, the city of Shechem comes up a few times. I know some people pronounce it Shechem, tomato, tomato today. Shechem, Shechem, whatever you want to say is fine by me. It's the same place. So Genesis 33 and Genesis 34, it, it shows up in the text, but it shows up a lot more all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, it plays a really interesting role. So let's take a look at it right now. With 60 mentions from the pages of the Old Testament of the Bible, the city of Shechem ranks among the most important cities of the historic land of Israel. Located in Israel's central hill country and at the division of a major road, Shechem was flanked by the two tallest mountains in the area, Mount Abal to the north and Mount Gerizim to the south. Its arrangement in this narrow valley pass likely accounts for its name, which in Hebrew means back or shoulder. Today, Shechem has been identified as Tel Balada in the modern city of Nablus and has been the focus of much archaeological survey and excavation. Shechem's first mention in the Bible comes from Genesis 12 as the place where Abram received a promise from a god that the land of Canaan would one day belong to his descendants. Abram then built an altar at Shechem. Noticeably absent in this report is a fortified city further explained by archaeological work which tells us that Shechem wasn't fortified until just before Abram's grandson Jacob visited. Jacob's visit saw him camping in front of the fortified city, purchasing a plot of land, and building another altar to God. Later in biblical history, at the command of Moses, Joshua read the book of the law to the Israelites at Shechem, standing on Mount Ebal, which even today acts as a natural amphitheater. Shechem was then made a Levitical city of refuge, and after another covenant renewal ceremony, the bones of Joseph brought out of Egypt were laid to rest there. In the time period of the judges, Gideon's son Abimelech had himself named king, by force, at Shechem, and ended up murdering around a thousand Shechemites for betraying him and then destroying the city. During the time period of the kings, Jeroboam I rebuilt Shechem as the capital city of northern Israel. And by the time of Christ, ancient Shechem had been in ruins since the Assyrian invasion of northern Israel. And the ruins of a Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim were still visible from Jacob's well, where Jesus famously claimed to be the Messiah. So there we go, a primer on this ancient city of Shechem. It is going to show up and play a major role in the time period of the conquest and the judges. Uh, and, and even later on, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a major behind-the-scenes player, right? I mean, it becomes a, a sacred spot for the Samaritans who show up quite prominently in the New Testament Gospels. Very interesting. Now, you've been to Israel. Have you ever been to Shechem? No, I have not. Very, very interesting. Driven by, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's really 
really something. Uh, I have, and it's just fa- it's ancient, but it's just a fascinating uh, discovery. You're right; it's a background city now. It's going to be really interesting, Ryan. All right. Well, yeah, today and all month long, I'm going to be sharing with you clips from my latest resource called A World by Design 3, which is an ongoing series of interviews I've recorded with some of the world's top scientists and researchers. And for the last two days, I've been sharing snippets of my interview with Christian UFO researcher Gary Bates. And I've been asking him about the possibility of alien life, because this is the popular explanation for UFOs. But one of the main questions that we need to answer is whether building advanced spaceships with warp drive is even possible within the physical universe. Here's Gary. I want to go back for a minute because a lot of people would say, okay, well, maybe in the future we'll be able to build the Starship Enterprise and and go travel to all these distant planets. Yeah. is that physically possible? Well, I'll tell you what, if, if it was, I'd love, you know, I'd be a candidate for it for a start. I mean, I think that would be wonderful, but no, it's not going to happen. You know, uh, it, it, it's going to take us, even at the best speeds now, months and months to get to Mars. Mm-hmm. And there are severe problems with being out in space for months at a time. Like when we're here on the Earth, we're shielded by harmful cosmic radiation. But being out there for months, you're going to get increased dosages. And as your speed increases, that's going to happen as well. We can't travel that fast. I mean, at the best speed of your Saturn V rockets that took man to the moon in the space shuttle, the next star to our own sun is Proxima Centauri. It's 4.3 light years away. If you could travel at the speed of light, 300,000 kilometers per second, it would take you 4.3 years to get there. But at the best speeds we're able to attain now, it would take you over 800,000 years, about 870,000 years to get there. Wow. That's the next closest one to us. Now, if you could travel faster than, it was faster the speed of light, you've got all sorts of other issues. Space is full of dust. And even if you traveled at half the speed of light and you impacted with a grain of dust, it would be like 10 tons of TNT impacting your spaceship, you know? Mm. And Einstein theorized, and I think there's very, very good experimental evidence to support that, that the maximum speed you would ever be able to attain attain within our space-time universe would only be the speed of light. In fact, you couldn't attain it. So simple physics, as your mass increases, right? Also, as your speed increases, your mass increases. So you've got to use exponential amounts of energy to try to get yourself to the speed of light. And the speed of light is kind of the infinite speed in the universe, so you've got to use an infinite amount of energy. So this idea of warp drive, fictional? It is fictional, yeah. Mm. And that's why people believe in the interdimensional hypothesis, Mm. because they now know it's not feasible for aliens to be visiting us from a galaxy far, far away in their hyperdrive spaceships. And as I said, plus we don't see them enter our atmosphere. So people get really hung up on that. Even, Even... you know, just in the last few days, people have come up and say, well, are you sure we might not be able to develop that in the future? We get better at technology, but there's a physical limit to us going faster than the speed of light. And the speed of light itself is nowhere near fast enough to get around our own galaxy, let alone visit other galaxies. Our Milky Way galaxy is but one of hundreds of billions, well, we don't even know of other galaxies in the universe. 
So the next galaxy to our own Milky Way is two million light years away. Hmm. And the next closest one to that is 20 million light years away. Wow. And you haven't even begun to travel the universe. You know, our, our own Milky Way is 100,000 light years across. If you could travel at the speed of light, it would take you 100,000 light years to cross our Milky Way. So I'd love it to be the case. I'd love to think that we could develop those sorts of craft, but it's not going to happen, no. So as Gary attested, there are huge problems with the extraterrestrial hypothesis, which is the idea that alien beings from other planets are visiting our world. And even though I'm with Gary on wishing it were possible to build starships with warp drive like the Enterprise and the Millennium Falcon, it's simply just out of the realm of reality. In other words, it's science fiction. Okay, but what does all this have to do with the Bible, you ask? Well, the top UFO researchers have been convinced by all this evidence that these are not aliens from other worlds, but rather are malevolent beings from another dimension. In Christian terminology, we would say a spiritual dimension. And that's what the Bible's taught all along. These aren't alien beings. They're demonic forces doing what they do best, deceiving, controlling, abusing. So don't fall into their trap. Give your life to Jesus Christ, the one who has authority over them. Now, I really do want to thank Gary for taking the time to join us. And if you'd like to see the whole interview, then get a hold of this set called A World by Design 3. It's available as a DVD set or as a digital download on our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And you should also get a hold of his book and video documentary called Alien Intrusion. And you can get those at Creation.com. It's, it's really important, too, to... Uh, to mention that they talk about all of the UFO business, but there is a podcast called Haunted Cosmos that mm -hmm. you and I have listened to. Yep. It's Haunted Cosmos. Uh, Great podcast. Can, yeah, it, it really is an awesome podcast. Uh, the gentlemen from Utah are part of that. One of them is a pastor, and it's really, really good. So Haunted Cosmos, check it out on the internet. Janice? A new perspective. We're looking at Jacob and Esau meeting and the last time they had seen each other, it was not well. If you remember back in Genesis, we see how Jacob literally steals the blessing um, of his father Isaac away from his brother Esau, and they've parted ways, and now they're coming back together. In chapter 32, we see Jacob wrestling with God. And God touches Jacob and, in fact, changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And then we move ahead into chapter 33 with Jacob preparing himself and his whole entourage that he has with him, all of his children and his wives, and he sets them up in a special order. And we see this new perspective is what I entitled it here. And I have a note here for myself. It's amazing what a change or a touch from God in our lives brings with it a new perspective in our hearts and in our minds. Now Jacob realizes what God has done and is doing in his life. We see here that Jacob comes before before his brother Esau, and he's bowing down. And Esau is asking him, what is all of this that you've brought? And, and he says, I, you know, I don't, I don't want this. I don't need this. Esau says, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. But listen to the changed heart of Jacob 
known as the grabber. And Jacob said, No, please, if I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Now listen to his wording here. Please take my blessing that is brought to you. He's trying in all human way to make it right with his brother. Take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I, because I have enough. And then he urged him, come on, take it, please take it. And so Esau did. Then Esau said, let us take our journey. Let us go and I will go before you. Isn't it interesting? Those of us who have recognized when we've heard the gospel message, whether it's as a child in Sunday school, you're going with your parents to church and you hear about God and and as you grow, then you make that decision to ask the Lord Jesus for forgiveness and ask him to be your savior, whether it happens that way or whether you're a grown adult and you hear the gospel message for the very first time and you understand who God is and what he has done for you. And no matter what stage of life you're at, a change comes because when you accept that, what Christ has done for us, what God has given us, there is something that happens on the inside and it's literally like a light turns on. It's the presence of God's Holy Spirit that fills you. And all of a sudden, you have a new perspective. The things that you thought before begin to change. And it doesn't all happen overnight, trust me. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey. It's a walk. It's a relationship with the living God. What an amazing thing that it is. This God, the God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in one person that offers this to us, a brand new perspective, a better way to live. It's not easy when we make that decision because there are things that need to change in our life. There are things that we do, things that we think, things that we say that aren't right. We don't have to do it on our own to change. And we don't just give it up. It's God who helps us. And then because of who he is, and when we recognize what he has done, it's not that we're oh, giving it up. We literally want to give it up. We want to give our lives to him because of all that he has done for us. Thank you for joining us as we study the Bible today. I want to remind you that uh, Spotify is one of the places or iHeartRadio or whatever, you can get this program on 
all of the podcast places that you get your podcast from. So check it out there. Today we need to pray, Lord, I want to follow you. Help me to do that and help me, Lord, to understand that you are the one who gives me the absolute desires of my heart. In Jesus' name, and we pray together, amen.